Happy New Year, and welcome to a new episode of Sauce of the Scary. Derek Zhu, Jeff Wright here with you. Uh, got a little deluxe edition on the podcast this week, so we don't have a lot of time to dilly-dally. But Jeff, I do want to say Happy New Year, man, and how are you doing? Happy New Year to you too, my friend. I am doing really well. The family is healthy. We had an enjoyable time. My wife and I ringing in the new year last year, and I'm talking to my buddy about the best horror in 2018. What I mean, what could possibly be better than that? Yeah, completely agree. Oh, 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 and I also know you're getting close to being set free from Dolly and, and, and returning to the volunteer state. So I'm, I'm just telling you, Derek, it, it's over the moon time around here. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, we are over the hump. Oh, we, I've got, I have, as of this recording, I have two shows left uh, at the Land of Dolly and then I'll be on the road uh, doing some stand-up through the month of January and then at the end of January, I'm uh, going to turn my phone off and go on a vacation and not talk to anybody for a while and then uh, I'll go back to Dolly after that. So, good times are ahead, man. Pretty excited about it. Yeah. Congratulations. You made it through a difficult season. I'm, uh, I'm happy for you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, all right. So we have uh, we've got best and worst of 2018 to talk about. We have Bird Box to talk about. But before we get into any of that, let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Jeff hates trailers. And Jeffrey, I have one trailer that I want to talk to you about before we talk about the big trailer that dropped on us on Christmas. Uh, and so the trailer I want to talk to you about is for a movie called Greta. Mm, sounds like it's built on my perpetual terror of Swedish milkmaids. <laughs> Um, so the synopsis on it is this, a young woman befriends a lonely widow and it stars Chloe Grace Moretz and Isabel Huppert. And I watched the trailer for that, to, for, for this today. Uh, this was sent to me by a friend of the show, Jody Webster. I watched, I, well, I, wa- I got to watch half of the trailer because uh, the Wi-Fi was crappy where I was at, so I wasn't able to watch it all. But what I saw of it, man, looks really good. And I know that you don't like to watch trailers, but I would implore you to watch this one. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, if you're asking, I'm going to do it. Um, I, I just want to note real quick that you have trained Jody, apparently, to, to send you trailers rather and post them <laughs> in our Facebook group. So, Jody, thanks for taking one for the team on that. Uh, okay, so why whip my appetite a little bit further, and for those listening, what's so compelling about Greta? I'm going to watch it, so okay. uh, you're not going to spoil anything for me. Yeah, let me let me take you through the trailer from, from where I saw it, okay? okay. Uh, the young woman played by Chloe Grace was on the subway. She sees a very expensive-looking bag. Um, she opens it up. She finds an ID in it. She takes the I, uh, she, excuse me, she takes the bag back to the lady, says, hey, uh, uh, are you Greta? Looks like you lost your bag. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, come on in. And they befriend one another, right? She talks about losing her daughter. Uh, Greta does. Chloe Grace may have lost her parents. I'm not real sure. That's not, that's not, it's implied, but it's not really stated. Uh, and then as they're cooking and, and getting to know one another, Greta asks for candles, says that they're in the closet. Chloe Grace goes to uh, get the candles and she finds multiple uh, identical bags like the one she found on the subway. Oh, so this is the, um, you know, get out when Daniel Kaluuya sees the open door to the hide, you know, yep. the crawl space and has the epiphany that he's the next in line. Okay, okay. And, excuse me, and that's where that's where it cut out on me. Uh, I'm going to try to watch all of it um, after we're finished recording the podcast. But there's your appetite witness. That's a weird sentence. And, uh, and yeah, so I think this is going to be one that's going to be really interesting. It comes out on May the 1st. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, and it seems like, uh, I'm sure I'll mispronounce her name even listening to you say it correctly, but Chloe Grace Marintz, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does seem like she's she's due like a hard horror movie, right? Like she needs to round out her, um, this phase of her career with, with one of those. So, Well, you know, she was in that like teenage erotica vampire movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting exactly kind of my point. Like she's done, what, that wasn't Let the Right One In. What one was that? Oh man, Let Me In. I'm pretty sure it wasn't it. Yeah, maybe. So it's the remake of Let the Right One In. Um, yeah, it was. It was Let Me In. Okay. Well then, so like now she needs to do an adult. I mean, I say adult has such terrible connotations when you're talking about movies. She needs to do one as a more mature actress. Right? Sure. So mm-hmm. This is the one that slots in for that. She seems to be pretty solid in her choices. And so, yeah, I'll go I'll go check that out. Yeah. Particularly after you told me to watch the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Check that trailer out. We'll put it up on the on the Facebook group. We saw something scary. As a matter of fact, Allison asked about it as well uh, today. So I uh, wanted to make sure that we talked about that. We'll put it on the Facebook group and you guys can let us know what you think about that. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Sweet. All right. So that's Greta. Now let's get into the main event of Jeff H. Trailers. Uh, and I know that you already watched it. Let's talk about us, my man. I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about Jordan Peele's, it looks like, is going to be another phenomenal movie uh, on his sophomore run. No sophomore slump for Mr. Peele. It is very close. Um, It's very close to being the highlight of Christmas for me. Yeah. Uh, I know that sounds grandiose, but I think my problems with Christmas are well documented on the Saw Something Scary podcast. Um, So here are the things I love about Christmas. I love gathering with my church family. I love getting with my, you know, immediate and an extended family. And then I love watching an NBA marathon on Christmas Day. Those are the those are the things that are great about Christmas. So in the midst of that third one, we had just finished opening presents at my mother-in-law's house. I'm sitting on the couch. Uh, I'm I, I'm flanked by my brother-in-law and then my sort of brother-in-law. He's the he's the dude who's married to my wife's sister. Make sense? Mm-hmm. And we're watching NBA, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, the Us trailer drops and I can't run out of the room. Um, and I was riveted. And at one point, all three of the guys sitting on uh, sitting on the couch are in their 30s. And um, my sort of brother-in-law said, uh, guys, is anybody else super creeped out right now? And we were both like, yes, we very much are. And, uh, you know, this movie... I was interested in it, but you wonder, like, can Peel, can, I mean, is, is Get Out, like, are, is he starting at the pinnacle and then he's going to have a hard time matching it? Dude, that trailer just put my expectations. I mean, if they were over the moon, they're now out in the cosmos. Yeah. And I feel like those guys sitting with me were like a test case and how it's going to land on non-horror fans. Yeah. So that's how I met this thing. This is how I ended up seeing a trailer for a movie I know I want to see. Um, where did you first watch it? Um, I saw it on, um, let's see, on my phone. I woke up Christmas morning and before I did anything, before I like got up and stretched or brushed my teeth or anything else, I put my glasses on and I immediately went to YouTube because um, on Christmas Eve, I saw something where Jordan Peele said, it's going to be on. It's going to drop at midnight. I think midnight uh, Pacific Standard Time. I wasn't going to stay up till three o'clock in the morning to wait for that. Uh, so uh, as soon as I woke up, I, I just threw my glasses on and and watched it. And then I watched it again. And then I made my aunt and uncle watch it. I was like, Hey, did you you guys like to get out? Right? And they're like, Yeah, we thought it was really great. I'm like, All right, well, you need to watch this. And um, their response to it was something that we we don't usually say here on the show. So I'll just leave it to your imagination. Um, but they're they're in. They're all in. And I'm all in, and I've I probably watched that trailer a half dozen times since then. 
Okay. Well, there's the difference between us. I, it's a one and done for me. I, you know, yeah. like I, I know what I need to know at this point. So what have you picked up on on multiple viewings or what just stands out to you? Uh, just how freaky this movie's going to be. And I, you know, I never, honest to God, Jeff, never would have thought that it was going to be some kind of like doppelganger mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, my jaw dropped. And I was just like, holy crap, Jordan Peele, you've done it again. <laughs> sure, sure. So yeah, I expected there would be some kind of conflict within the within the relationship, the husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm with you. Like when I guess basically when you saw the kid in the mask, and then he's flanked by that's twice I've used flank on this episode. I uh, I'm pretty proud of myself. I, like I just want to note that. But he's flanked by these carbon copies of Winston and Lapita, and you know it's all I can do in a family setting not to clap and squeal like a schoolgirl. <laughs> Did you? Did you remember watching Truth or Dare this year? I think we talked about it. I, I did not watch Truth or Dare this okay, year. Okay, okay. Well, Truth or Dare tries to get a lot of its horror out of people smiling in creepy fashion. Sure. And while it's not a great movie, it's fairly effective that there's a creepy smile. Outside of Tony Collette, I don't know that I've ever been weirded out by facial expressions as much as I was in the trailer for Us which I don't know what to attribute that to, uh, but I I suspect it's working with really talented people, uh, both as an actor and as a director, writer, whatever hat, you know, Peel's wearing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else grabs your attention while you're watching it for 12 times? Uh, man, honestly, that was just it. Um, I, I know that I can't listen to, I have, I've got five on it without wanting to pee my pants now. <laughs> It's really funny. Um, and, I, you know, and I think that I'm, I'm really impressed with Winston Duke because Winston Duke, you know, we, we think of him as M'Baku. And he really comes off as like the Homer Simpson dad in this mm. in the trailer. And so really great range from him. I'm just excited, man. Like, I'm just excited. And I, I don't know how it works. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's the reason why I like Jordan Peele so much is because nothing seems telegraphed to me. Now, when we get into it, when we, you know, when we watch the movie, I might I might be like, oh, yeah, well, this is what's going to happen or what. You know, I think I, I think the same thing happened in Get Out. Right. But I, I, I'm just pumped. I'm just excited about this thing. And, and you know, Elizabeth Moss is in this trailer for like half a second. And, um, oh man, Kate McKinnon, Kate McKinnon is is the vodka clock woman. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like she has that, she has that character down anyway. So yeah, dude, I'm just, I'm just really excited. Just really excited to to see how this thing unfolds. I wasn't even thinking about Kate McKinnon being in it. I mean, talk about talent. Um, it's just overflowing with it. Here, here's the thing. I know, well, well, two things. One, you just raised a, a point I hadn't even considered. You remember when we were together? I can't remember what we were watching. It was probably Bye Bye Man or some, something comparably awful. But we were in the theater, and the Get Out trailer came on, and you leaned over and said, I'm really excited for this. Mm-hmm. Well, in that trailer, I'm not sure what all versions uh, of the Get Out trailer there were, but in that one, there was this strange image of a deer that was sort of like outlined in blue. Mm-hmm. That, that came running at the screen or something. Do you, do you remember that part I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it doesn't show up in the film. Right. And I, I guess I should assume that Peel has at least the capacity to throw a curveball like that in this trailer, right? Yeah. Just to keep you guessing about even what, what you've seen, uh, what its relationship to the final movies. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that till you kind of raised the point of him having curveballs up his sleeve. Um, talk about mixing your metaphors, but that's what that, that trailer did to me, man. I'm just, my brain's all scrambled up. I'm ready to watch it. I get it, man. Uh, I guess that's not Kate McKinnon, but it sure did look like her. Oh, it's not. But it, it, yeah, I mean, it's not in 
she's not in the in the IMDb like credits or anything. Maybe that. Oh, I guess that's Elizabeth Moss. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I guess that's Elizabeth Moss. Oh, okay. Well, oh. you know, I love Kate McKinnon. I think she's uber talented. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, it's not gonna lower my expectation for this movie. <laughs> it does mine. No, Kate McKinnon. I'm out. Guys. You're I'm out. Sorry. Yeah. Well, the second point is is I need you to use your Hollywood connections to get in touch with Jordan because there has to be a deleted scene of Winston doing the Mbaku call and response with his family. Right. Uh, as they face off against their doppelgangers. I just, yeah, I, I, I need that to happen. I was thinking that it would be the evil uh, Winston Duke as Mbaku. He would be the one to, to do the... Uh, what were the, the Tajari? Is that the... Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I figured they would be the ones to do that call. Yeah, well, hey, look, however however it needs to happen, maybe Lapita needs to, to lead it. I don't care, but I just need that. <laughs> I need that playing out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cannot wait, man. And so it, it's gonna it's gonna kind of define saw something scary up until it releases. Though uh, you and I talked off air and decided that we're gonna walk through the movies that Peel gave to his cast to give them a common horror language. And so we are we're running up to this movie uh, in the most intentional way we possibly can. Yeah, man. Uh, do you want to just blaze through those movies really quick? I've got the list right here if you want me to, yeah, to talk about them. Lay them out. Okay. So um, the first one that we have, or well, actually, I'll just go through here. Um, but these are the these are the 10 horror movies that um, Jordan Peele made the cast watch in order to get the shared language for the film. Uh, Dead Again, The Shining, The Babadook, It Follows, uh, A Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. You know, it's funny at this point, It Follows has become it following you around, insisting that you watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I'm asking for it. Our listeners are asking for it. Now Jordan Peele's insisting on it, Derek. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you could hook up with somebody. I don't, I don't recommend that strategy. I'm not going <laughs> to review that with someone that uh, that you had a one-night stand with. Um <sighs> You know, the the version of that for me is Funny Games and Martyrs. Those are movies that I've been aware of for a long time. Everybody who likes horror has been. But they, I just get the sense they're going to be too sadistic and too gory for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that Jordan Peele understands the um, dedication that we have on yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, in the Saw Something Scary compound where we record these things, we don't have a statue of Baphomet. We have one of Mike Flanagan and one of Jordan Peele. And he, he probably doesn't realize that about us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is there is there any of those movies that you've not seen? Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of them. Uh, I don't believe that I've seen... Um, let me pull that list back up again. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't believe I've seen Dead Again. Uh, I don't think that I've seen Funny Games or Martyrs. I think I've seen the rest of them, though. That's the same for me. I've not seen any of the the three you just mentioned. So um, I'm looking forward to revisiting some of them. I'm also looking forward to seeing some films I've not seen before. Maybe maybe should have appreciated more quickly if, if Peel thinks they're you know, like canonical for horror movie fans, or at least right. the horror movie fans that he's speaking to, because I am them. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, man, I I can't wait. You know, this movie drops on Thursday, March 14th. I will be there as quick as possible yeah. when that happens. Um, and, and listeners, if you guys want to watch along with us, we're going to get started with Dead Again. So if you want to track that thing down and, and get ready for our next episode on the lead up to Jordan Peele's Us, join us for watching Dead Again. Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, it is. So that does it for this week's edition of Jeff H. Trailers. You just want to go ahead and pull the curtain on Bird Box? Yeah, baby. Let's do it. All right. Pull the string. Uh, dude, this is the most polarizing movie I have seen in quite some time. 
Uh, it looks like that everyone on Facebook has watched it and they either love it or hate it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw as we were recording, I was looking at Facebook and uh, a friend of the show, Mike D, said, Bird Box greater than A Quiet Place. Oh, come on, Mike D. Come on. But I love I've you, also, brother, but man, you're killing me, small. But, but I've also uh, read a lot of re- reviews that say, oh, what the F did I just watch? Why did I waste my time watching? it and please for god's sake stop casting john malkovich in movies oh no yeah yeah as a matter of fact uh you talk and you give me your opinion on it and i'll uh i'll pull that status up and tell you uh verbatim what it said okay well yeah i watched this thing pretty quickly after it dropped the experience i've had is also polarizing but mike d having such a high opinion of this movie really kind of throws off the paradigm i thought i had established for this movie So my experience has been talking to people over the holidays, be those family members, friends of family. um, I don't want to use the term normies, but like people who don't normally go watch horror movies when they release, right? Mm-hmm. And almost universally, I've I've heard uh, a claim for Bird Box. They have loved it. They thought it was riveting. Um, super glad they watched it. I, you know, out of probably 20-something people I've talked to over the holidays about that movie, just in casual conversation, there's only been one who said she didn't care for it. And, okay, cool. Then I go to the horror community, and it seems like the horror community is, is much more conflicted about the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Mike D throws that off. Um, he kind of ruins the bell curve. But Jess Altimos, and forgive me, Jess, if I've mispronounced your name. That's the first time I've ever tried to say it out loud. I've, I've nope. normally read you, it. You got it. Perfect. Well, she uh, she said, and, and, and remember who this is talking, she said she doesn't really think this belongs in the horror genre. And, you know, I'm usually the guy with the crazy hair over here saying, stop calling horror movies thriller, right? Right. But I'm with her. I think this is a thriller. And so I feel kind of mixed up about it, but I think people who watch a lot of horror movies are coming to this and going, I don't think this was aimed at scaring me in a way or or, uh, making an audience uneasy. Whatever it is, it wasn't aimed at that or it wasn't effective enough at that for me to really embrace this thing as a horror movie. And the truth of the matter is, I'm kind of there. What I ended up telling Jess is... You know, spoiler alert for the rest of the episode. I ended up putting. Oh this- yeah! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wahlberg. What? No. Spoiler alert. Yeah, go ahead, man. I ended up accounting for this movie on my you know best of 2018 list. Okay. But I did so because I I just had to do some math. Um, I, I'm far from the only person who says this, but this is in the same family tree as A Quiet Place. Right. I will go to my grave willing to throw down, you know, at least verbally in the most respectful way possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not signing up to be an internet troll. <laughs> Uh, uh, that that the quiet place is a horror movie. It's not yeah. a thriller. It's a horror yeah. movie. And so if, again, sort of showing my hand about this movie, if I think Bird Box is 80% of a quiet place or 78% of a quiet place, I have to say it's also a horror movie. But you know what I mean? Like this is this is clearly a first or second cousin. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, my experience with this movie has been just that. I It, it sort of has matched the, the two poles of people I've talked to about this movie. I don't really feel great about calling this a horror movie, mm-hmm. but I really like the movie. 
so I'm, I'm sort of stuck in between like, eh, maybe it's, maybe it's a horror movie. Maybe it's not, but it definitely is a film that I enjoyed and really I found thought provoking. I appreciated the themes and I liked the acting, including John Malkovich. I hadn't seen John Malkovich in years in anything. And like, I was like, Hey, John Malkovich, good to have you back, man. That's actually how I felt too. Here's, here's, <laughs> here's, I don't think this uh, lady or a friend of mine, I don't think she listens to the show, but if she does, this is from Sarah Goth, England. And uh, her status was wild. Why is Malkovich working anymore? I hate his va- I hate his face and his voice. Well, you know, if I was seeing him every day, I'd be right there with her. Sure. But, you know, it, I mean, the holidays are a pretty good metaphor. I'm not going to eat cornbread casserole more than four times in a year without just getting sick of the stuff. But I'm going to get a scoop of that every Christmas. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like, yeah, Malkovich's cornbread casserole. Yeah. And truth be told, he was kind of captivating. Like, I, I watched it with my wife, um, and, and that's probably as much of an indication as anything that this is mainstream horror. But um, I was talking to her about Malkovich. One, he's definitely in the category that we've talked about on here before of people who are considered incredible actors, but who are just the same person in every movie. Mm-hmm. And he's also the captain of the, this guy's personality is not what I would expect by looking at him team. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it just caught me as, it caught me as refreshing because I hadn't seen, hadn't seen an old friend for quite a while. Right. Um, so, I mean, I've been pontificating there quite a bit. What What did you think, Derek? Um, I, I think that this is perfectly acceptable horror. I think that's. Uh, I don't. I don't think that it's better than uh, a quiet place. I don't. I don't even think that they're in the same. I mean, obviously they're in the same ca- in the same family, but I don't think they're in the same category as far as movies go. Um, I did feel I was. I think it was because of who I was watching the movie with. I was watching this movie with my aunt, my uncle, and they're very, they get very like caught up in things quick. And so they kept being like, oh, this movie's so intense. And I just want to be like, ah, it's really not though. Like it's, I mean, it's good, but it's not like intense. You know what's going to happen. Like I looked at them, I looked at them, uh, at one point in the movie, I think when she was paddling the kids down the river at one point, and I said, so you guys realize they're the only three that survive, right? Like something's going to happen that's going to kill everybody off. And they were both like, no, that can't be right. And I was like, no, really? Like no one else is no one else is alive. So like either the monsters got to, you know, their combine or, um, you know, something something's happened. Commune, not combine. Um, they're not football players. Um, you know, but something's happened. And they just couldn't believe what I was saying was factual. <laughs> so, it, uh, I, I, yeah, I say all that to say this. It perfectly acceptable horror. Um, I, I think it's a one and done for me. Like, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah, I'm with you on that, too. And and perfectly acceptable horror is is just that. Like, it, it kind of feeds. It's your regular diet. You know what I mean? As a horror fan, you need that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, this one was distinct a little bit for me because... The themes, you know, I think it, I think it raised some good questions, which, I, which I'll throw at you later about, well, through her refusal to name the children. I think it was thought provoking in that way. Uh, but to your point earlier, I, of course, your your poor aunt and uncle don't realize they're watching a, a scary movie with the horror prognosticator. But uh, <laughs> Miss Altimos made another point in in our Facebook group. She said that because they alternated between, hey, you know that she's on the river trying to get somewhere, and the beginning, you know that. The thing that you told your aunt and uncle. All these people are going to die. And, and it really did, I think, take part of that um, I care about these people experience out of it for me because mm-hmm. I knew not to. Like I, I, yeah. I wasn't as invested in that group of survivors in the way I was with Krasinski's family yeah. because I, I just knew, I just knew they were going, they were fodder for the grist mill. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I will say this, though. The only person that I had any kind of connection with that I was like, man, please let something happen where this guy survives was Tom. Yeah, sure. It's hard not to root for him, but they don't unless he was somehow like advanced scouting or something. You just yeah, you didn't uh, you didn't get that chance. I feel like we kind of pulling the rug out from under this movie. There was a lot I enjoyed about it, and 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 contrary to you, actually, I did feel pretty tense a couple times when uh, when they bump into the track trailer in the in the river mm-hmm. and the kid flops out. I got I got you know kind of on the edge of my seat for that. And then when she goes into those barracks and, um, you know, she's she's pulled the, the boat up on the shore and the little girl gets out of the boat and uh, stuff is happening. So somebody turns on the leaf blower and you realize that demons are nearby. But then the little girl gets snatched. You know, part of my brain is clearly going, that's got to be Sandra Bullock. They're not heartless enough to let this little girl get snatched up. Yeah. But the lizard part of my brain was like, no, 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 girl's dead. And uh, yeah. so I did feel quite a bit of tension in this. But I... Yeah, not not in the way that I would while watching it or, or something right. that's more traditional horror. Yeah, um, or a quiet place. Yo, absolutely. That's that's exactly where I should have went. Thank you for cleaning that up. That's exactly right. Yeah, I never, well, I mean, I never that, felt afraid. Yeah, and I, I mean, I just I feel like that if you know if that's the that's the movie that we're going to compare this the most to, and rightfully so, then you know that's the one that we should compare it to. And sure. and I in no way, yeah, I, I mean, you're you're exactly right with everything that you've said so far. Like I, I in no way felt connected to these characters, with the exception of obviously Sandra Bullock. Um, felt no connection to these characters um, the way that I did Krasinski and Emily Blunt and their kids. Uh, and as tense as certain things were, I just knew that these characters weren't going to make it. So, mm-hmm. you know, why, why be invested? Um, and yeah, so it, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, there was a lot of chatter on the Facebook group where people were saying like, oh, this is just a, uh, a Netflix version of a quiet place. And of course that's not true. The, uh, you know, this is actually based on a book from 2014 and it's actually a book that I'm, I'm going to start reading this week. Now that I'm going to have some free time, I bought it. It's like two bucks on Kindle right now. So if you're a Kindle reader and you want to, you know, grab this book i highly encourage you to do so uh but yeah i just i think it's middle of the road and you know i think that this obviously is is anchored by sandra bullock i'll tell you this though man i was totally mad at the fact that sarah paulson died so early in this thing yeah wasn't that just a hard swerve i mean yeah that's you know it's not on the same level but it's like drew uh barrymore being killed off and scream you're like wait what what yeah. And, and you know what? And that's actually a really good comparison because that's probably what they were going for. Right. Sure. It's like, oh, well, I mean, everyone's fair game. You know, if, if, if we're going to bring in Sarah Paulson, who is one of the hottest television actresses out there right now, and we're going to kill her off in the first 10 minutes of this movie, then how do you know Sandra Bullock's going to survive? Or how do you know John Malkovich is going to survive? Or how do you know Machine Gun Kelly is going to survive? <laughs> and we'll all hope he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? And, and that's another reason why this movie is isn't as good as a quiet place is because of effing machine machine gun Kelly. All agreed with you, but I mean, it's the lowest of, of bars, but he was slightly better than I'd hoped. Like as soon as he came on the screen, I was like, Oh, get out of here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought he was fairly serviceable. I'm not, I'm not hopeful that it leads to some great acting career for him, but he didn't torpedo it the way I would have immediately expected. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll give him that, but I also, every time he came on the screen, I was like, get the student. Like I just wanted Kevin. I wanted to come in and power bomb him off something. Yeah. And when, you know, when he eventually betrayed, I'm like, well, they, okay, sure. That's the right casting. Um, yeah. But with Paulson, I, it, it makes sense once you see the whole movie, right? If she, 
if if you have the sister, obviously these these ladies care deeply for each other and are the sort that would die for each other. You can't have Sandra Bullock alone and vulnerable if Paulson has her back, right? Like they're sure you would believe that those two could face down a hostile world. So she had to go. It was just it was rattling to see it happen so soon. Yeah, but if they're gonna. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to step over, but I was just gonna say that was the last time I cared about a character that wasn't Sandra Bullock or the kids. Yeah. So anyway. I was just going to say if you're going to if you're going to bring in somebody and, and kill her off really quick, that's Sandra Bullock's sister. Just bring in Nicole Kidman, do a little practical magic reunion. Mm. And that'll make that'll make everyone happy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, Derek, I don't know why these people aren't calling you right up front. Tell you, we should we should have our own uh, movie studio, all elite movie studio. That's what it should be. Well, let's get that done. Um, so two other things that I would throw to you, and I guess that's really going to be all that I, that I wanted to raise. Uh, did you think it was a good move or a bad move to not show us the monsters? Bad move. Okay, why is that? I just feel like that you needed to see the big bad at least once just to know what they're dealing with. It didn't have to be like in the beginning of the movie. I would have been fine with seeing them confront them at the very end. But I feel like that it leaves a lot up in the air about this this universe to not be able to see what people are seeing that is all of a sudden making them want to kill themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad conclusion. I was with you until I was thinking about this movie for this episode there. We've talked about it online, <laughs> excuse me, online, what on, on previous episodes uh, we've talked about how the imagination can do more than even the most creative and talented visual effects at it. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the way that I think you and I both like the mist for like letting us see a tendril or a claw or scaly skin, but not showing us the monster for a very long time. Yeah. In in that sense, I think I've come to appreciate the choice. Now, what I'm assuming happened is they had a budget and they said, oh my gosh, Sandra Bullock will do it. Holy cow. John Malkovich said he would too. Sarah Paulson, her agent said they're in and they're like, well, we could have all of them or we can have visual effects. And they were like, well, let's go for the talent and we'll get a leaf blower to make our monsters, right? Yeah. Which I don't fault them for that creative decision. If I was working with a budget and had those priorities, I would probably make the same call. Sure. I thought they did enough to satisfy me by having the crazy guy who breaks up the the safe house Mm -hmm. draw all those pictures. Okay, and I I thought that it, what it gave me was something for my imagination to latch onto because they were pretty diverse and varied. I don't know if you mm-hmm. spent much time looking at them, but it was enough for me to go, oh, these things can take a disparate form, and it reinforced the idea that whatever your worst nightmare is is what you see. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, again, coming out of the movie, I was very much where you're at. I don't think that's a bad take on the movie, but I found myself becoming more satisfied with it once I considered the movie from a distance. Okay. Um, what do you think about what do you think about having demons enter the world and be able to ruin people's lives and control their brains, but not be able to work a door handle? Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, there's there's a lot of questions in this movie that I was left with, like how can uh, how can a boat capsize and the birds be okay? How can how can the uh, how can the boat capsize and these children who were clearly never taught how to swim? How can they survive that? Um, I mean, you know, th- those are, those are the two biggest ones that I, I think that I have. Like, how did the doctor survive? You know, like I feel like that there's 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 this really uh, cheesy. Um, God, I'm so sorry. I feel like there's just this really cheesy point in the movie when you know they find the doctor and and you're looking for. I think that the writers or the directors, somebody's looking for that emotional connection, and I'm just like, it's your freaking OBGYN. Like, there's no. 
I have yeah. no. She made a small cameo at the beginning. I'm, I mean, I'm glad she's safe. I have no reason for her to die. But at the same time, like this is nothing for me. You know, right? They had like some some witty banter and whatnot. You, you could tell that they were they were pretty good friends. But yeah, I mean, I've been pretty good friends with GPs in my life. I'm assuming women get you know pretty comfortable with the OBGYNs in their life. And so I, I'm like you. It, it just wasn't the kind of payoff, and it didn't seem super significant to me, other than. And maybe there's good health care available in the uh, Institute for the Blind. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I, to, to me, it felt like that whoever did this movie and, and forgive me for the not knowing the director's name, but whoever did this movie got all the way to the, the final act and he or she and the writers both looked at each other and went, well, not sure what to do now. <laughs> And they just kind of ended the movie. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's just it, really to me that the ending of the movie was just a fart noise, man. Like you're you're going to tell me that there's this Xavier School for the Gifted in the middle of the effing woods. You know, you're going to tell me that this dude's been on a CB radio trying to trying to encourage people to come find him. Uh, how how can these familiars not hear this distress call and go kill all these people? Like just because they're blind doesn't mean that like they can't sacrifice them to their gods or whatever. I mean, maybe I'm overthinking it, which is I mean what we do here on the show. But I don't know, man. There's a lot more open ended to this than. You know, then it felt like in a quiet place. Yeah. And, and the, you know, you're supposed to get this sense, oh, they're in a community of blind people. They're in a safe utopia. Right. Right. But a bunch of people who can see just showed up. Yeah. So the first person who wakes up in the morning and checks the, you know, the weather outside goes crazy and kills all the blind people. Right. Uh, I, yeah. I mean. I'll be I'll be really interested to hear what you think of the book. I'll probably try to audiobook that thing at some point. Um, but it, it just does seem like it's a bit sloppier than a quiet place. Yeah. Which again, you just can't help but compare it against. Uh, I know I said I had two things put in front of you, but I wanted to raise kind of the interesting part of this movie for me anyway. And I do think a lot of what's driving interest in this movie, but you know, with people who don't normally watch horror movies, is the focus on parenting. So what did you think the significance was of her not naming those kids? So she wouldn't get attached. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the take I, I'm, I'm on as well, that, you know, things are dehumanized when they're not named. I say things, mm-hmm. people are. So if you pick your political hot button issue, it, immigration, abortion, whatever it is, if we don't want to think about the human cost, we find some term to refer to humans as something kind of generically as a category, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this movie is, is trying to talk about humanizing or dehumanizing uh, things, through that motif, I think she really comes to a crisis on it there when they have to decide who's going to look at the rapids. And she goes over the cliff in terms of, yep, I'm their mom right before she decides to be the one to look. Is that right. square with you? Mm-hmm. And so I do wonder, and, and this is what I think is most interesting about this movie to me. I, I think it's trying to ask the question, in some post-apocalyptic society, when you're reduced to merely surviving as a human, and that's all you can think through, um, can you actually can you actually be human in that environment, or is that necessarily subhuman? And that's a pretty good question for uh, you know a horror movie to raise and make me chew on for a little while. Uh, I'm not going to suggest any answers to it. I just I appreciate a movie that makes me think a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, that's what me and my wife ended up talking <coughs> about. Oh, that's all right. No, no problem. Um, that's what me and my wife ended up talking about. Like, okay, so, you know, to be authentically human, what does that look like in society, even if society has broken down? And, uh, yeah, that, that was that was worth the cost of my Netflix subscription this, this month. 
Yeah, well said, man. I, I mean, I definitely think that it was worth watching, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, tell anybody, or I wouldn't try to dissuade anybody from watching it. As a matter of fact, I, I told uh, two friends of mine; they were, they were like, "What should we watch on Netflix?" And I said, "Try Bird Box. I think it'd be, I think it'd be worth your while." So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. I think definitely, you know, I uh, if I don't watch anything else this month, I think that Bird Box was good enough for my ten dollars. Sure, sure. So, doing what we do, did we see something scary? I, I'm going to say no. Uh, I saw something rather, you know, somewhat intense, but I don't really feel like I ever got scared. And well, the horror uncle is here to give his testimony. Um, <laughs> and when the when the little girl and boy are left on the riverside while while Sandra's character goes to find new blankets, I I guess I got scared. I got scared for their welfare. And like I said, some part of my brain, the part that like is primal and doesn't doesn't remember I've watched a million horror movies. When the little girl got snatched, I got I felt a jolt run up my spine. So I'm going to come in on the side of, yeah, I saw something horror. What? Why can't I talk today? Um, <laughs> this is kind of what we do. Yeah. yeah, I saw something scary. And uh, it, it might be lightly applied, but I saw something scary. Okay, that's fair. On a scale of one to ten, what are you going to give this movie? Uh, six. Yeah, I'd track that same thing. I'd say six. It's uh, it's better than a lot of what we see. It's better than average. I probably you said it already. I'm probably never going to watch it again. Yeah. And so hopefully we're not beating up on it too much for those who love it. Hopefully, um, hopefully we're not like driving its fans away. I, I feel like you and I would say, yeah, good movie. Just yeah, not uh, not memorable. Maybe. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and now we leave it in your capable hands. You you know where to find us. You can go on Facebook at We Saw Something Scary. You can go to our subreddit forward slash r forward slash Saw Something Scary. You can go to our Instagram account uh, Saw Something Scary. You can go to Scary Podcast on Twitter. Let us know what you thought about this movie. You know, we've already uh, cited a couple different people. Mike D was one of them. Uh, obviously, Mike D liked this movie more than he did A Quiet Place. Uh, I'm not necessarily looking for comparisons, but you guys. Tell Tell me what you thought of the movie. What do you think of Jeff and I, uh, mine and Jeff's re, uh, review of the movie? Is it, you know, are you tracking with us? Do you feel like that we're off a little bit? However you feel, uh, we opened it up for a conversation. That's what we love the most about doing this podcast, being able to talk to you guys about these movies. So let us know where you're at on this one, and we'll put a bow on Bird Box. And um, I think if it's okay with you, Jeffrey, I think we hop into... best and the worst of 2018. Yeah, I think it is time to do so, man. And you mentioned at the beginning, this is a bonus episode. We have been off the mic for a couple weeks now against our wheels. And so we got a lot to talk about uh, in in our review of 2018. Uh, Derek, how do you want to get started on this thing, bud? Man, I think we uh, we get the bat out of the way and we go with uh, the top uh, the top five worst horror movies of 2018. That sounds like a great idea. So you have your list. I've got my list. Do we want to just alternate from least worst to worst worst? Yeah, I think so. I think from five to one, and I'll let you go first. All right, man. Every one of the movies that's on this list is for me. Uh, a product not not just of being a bad movie. These are bad movies, but it's they're on this list because they also disappointed me profoundly. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if I were just compiling a list of the worst movies I've seen this year, Puka would be on this list. Yeah, but I didn't have any expectations for Puka. 
with that being said, the uh, fifth worst movie I saw this year was The Nun. Okay. And it's all about that disappointment, man. Conjuring is... It's not a perfect franchise or, or universe, but it's about as reliable a continuous narrative as we have in the horror world, mm-hmm. other than like Stranger Things. And it just completely crapped the bed with uh, with The Nun. The imagery is by itself scarier than the movie they built around it. Um, Taessa Farminga was really great, but all the dreck around her really drug this thing down. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm still salty about it. Like, I'm still looking at James Wan and, and the creatives behind The Conjuring, and I'm like, we trusted you, dadgummit. So, number five for me is The Nun. Did it make your list? Uh, and what's your number five? Uh, yes, The Nun is on my list. It's higher than, uh, than what you put on yours. My number five is Unsane. Okay. Well, also on my list, also higher on my list. Yeah. Uh, Unsane, to me, should have been called Unwatchable. Yeah. And, it, uh, you know, I know that the there was a niche factor there of, hey, we shot this all on an iPhone. Well, hey, I could shoot me pooping with my pants on, and it would be better than your movie, and I could shoot that on my iPhone. So unless you're going to bring content and good acting and good scripts to the forefront, then I don't care what you shoot on your iPhone. And anyone who thinks, you know, I, I said this about, I think it was what Unfriended and The Strangers, because that you uh, you put up a, a thing on Reddit of the top 25 horror movies of the year and they were both on there and I said anyone who uh, thinks that Unfriended and The Strangers Pray at Night are good movies should take a poop with your pants on because it's just not the same I would throw I'd throw the same into uh, I would throw Unsane in that same category just uh, incredibly disappointing. Uh, I, you know, it's so bad, Jeff. I can't remember watching it. I just know that I had a visceral anger about that movie after we watched it. Well, everything you just said, I, I'm in agreement with, except that I have the misfortune of remembering watching the movie. Um, you know, every time I see the, the poster, it's like a, you know, somebody kicks me in my leg or something. I, I'll save my particular criticism for it for when it shows up on my list. But everything you just said is right. You, you don't get to pick some novelty. You know, we shot this through a fisheye lens right and let that be the merit of your film at least not without scathing criticism coming back to you so i join you in despising unsane in among the films i watched in 2018 uh what about what, what took you four spot uh go ahead man i here have the possession of hannah grace and i too have the possession of hannah grace all right well do you want to take a lead on shooting holes in this thing uh, I mean, I feel like that this one's really fresh in our memory. And if you, uh, you know, if you want to go back and, and hear more concrete thoughts on, on the majority of these movies, you can listen to our archives on it. I just, man, I was, I was very excited about the premise. I was very excited about the, the trailer from the trailer. I was very excited about this movie and it was 90 minutes of nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think I was in the movie theater texting you saying, Oh, somebody watched the autopsy of Jane Doe and said, hey, let's make a crappier version of this for movie studios that we can send out to, you know, 5,500 movie theaters across the United States and make $10 million off of. Mm-hmm. And, it's uh, lazy film creation. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, I mean, that's that's my biggest uh, that's my biggest problem with the movie. Jeff, what do you have? Well, again, disappointment uh, colors this because the trailer looked so good. Uh, the thing that stands out about uh, the movie, in addition to what you just said, is that one, they couldn't even keep... This 
was your point in our broader review, they couldn't even keep Hannah's power levels, you know, consistent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I hate when a movie doesn't even follow its own internal logic. I just think that is the kiss of death for a storyteller. Um, and then a ham-handed end of the movie where I guess we're supposed to be left wondering if a demon has left, uh, excuse me, let into the protagonist. And I remember just thinking, like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, the movie sucked and it should have been better. They, I mean, really and truly, if they'd have just played the trailer and never showed us anything more, it'd be one of those like, oh my gosh, how did we not get this movie? And we'd all been better off for it. Yeah. Yeah. How how disappointing is it, <laughs> you know, just to, to back up what you're saying, how disappointing is it to to have a movie like this come out and you're you're pumped up about it and stuff and then it's it it's not shown anywhere. And then you're like, ah, what could have been? You know, like I, I almost I almost wish we would have had that instead. Yeah. So there's a movie I'm after you to watch that maybe we've forgot a special way to present. It's called the Poughkeepsie Tapes. And for me, for a long time, I was trying to find that movie anywhere. And I mean, I'm I'm. I'm not ashamed to admit that I was even going to like the Pirate Bay and be like, do you have the Poughkeepsie tapes? I'll just pay for it whenever I can, but I'll go ahead and watch it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I did end up seeing it. I, I thought it was a pretty powerful movie. Um, but yeah, if you leave it as urban legend, it's better than what we ended up having delivered. I mean, I know they make money and that's what their job is, but just right. as somebody who consumes and critiques horror movies, I would have been much more satisfied with just the trailer. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's time to move on to number three. You want to? Yes, you want to throw out your number three first? Oh man, uh, you're you are the one. You're the one ahead of me, so you go right ahead. Well, all right, I'm I'm going with the Strangers Pray at Night. Okay, I feel like this is this is a movie I came to love even more because of our friendship. Mm-hmm. And I've told you before multiple different times the worst thing a sequel or a prequel can do is diminish your love for the original. And the Strangers Pray at Night. <laughs> nope no pun intended, took a stab at doing that. Yeah. Um, I don't see the strangers as, uh, you know, I, I don't see them as frightening as I did watching the first movie after I watched Prey at Night. And so what I've just tried to do mentally is say, yeah, that movie didn't happen. I'm blocking out memory of it because I want to love the original so much. Yeah. And Prey at Night just uh, ruined the mythology. You know, we, you can talk, we, They can. our listeners can go back if they want to further take down of this movie. And certainly you, you need to speak to it. But um This movie just ruined what was special about the first movie in a host of different ways, and it's unforgivable. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I'll have more to say about that when it pops up on mine. Okay, so what was three for you? Uh, End of the Dark Puka. (laughs) Well, brother, as I've already established, I can't say you're wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, what the crap was that? Like, I know know that I've said that several times. It, It just... The more that I went back and thought about that movie, the more I hate it and the more I just want to punch whoever's uh, involved in the making of that movie. It just, yeah, you know, I I was so happy about this End of the Dark series. And uh, granted, I, I haven't watched the New Year's edition. I don't even know if it's out yet or not. Uh, and I haven't watched the Thanksgiving one. But again, the body was really, I, I it's not going to reinvent the wheel, but it was, it was fun. It was fun. It was sleek. I enjoyed it. And I was like, man, if that's how they're going to be, then I, I definitely wouldn't care to, to watch every one of these movies. But my God, that movie is terrible. And, uh, you know, and granted, I, I, you know, you said that you didn't really have any expectations built up for it. Neither did I, but I just, I was still so upset that I wasted time on watching it that it had to be number three on my list. I think that's entirely deserved and maybe even gracious, not moving higher. I, I 
was so colored by expectations for my list. But if I hadn't been, I'd be flogging the Puka corpse with you. So, yeah, yeah, it sucks. Um, All right, man. Number two for you. Yeah. Unfriended Dark Web. Okay. Uh, I guess the, the disappointment factor here for me is that when I first watched Unfriended, it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't have much expectations. I was just looking for something scary to watch because I was in kind of a, you know, a season where I'd seen a bunch of stuff, didn't have a lot else, but I was in the mood to watch a scary movie. So I watched Unfair and I thought, you know what? That's better than I expected. It punched above its weight. Dark Web throws all of that cachet away because once, you know, once you establish that there's some quality to the original, you need to be able to live up to that uh, or or make an effort at living up to that in the sequel. And so I think this is very similar to Happy Death Day, right? You know, Happy Death Mm -hmm. Day wasn't really thinking a lot about it, but man, that movie really impressed me. And so if I go see Happy Death Day to you and it's the equivalent of watching Unfriended Dark Web, I'm going to be pretty broken hearted. Like, You've created something, and so you have sort of an obligation to your audience to continue what you began. Mm-hmm. So Dark Web just throws all of it away. And and yeah. we've watched like Abrams do some do something interesting with the Cloverfield universe. And I realize you know you didn't like the Cloverfield paradox as much as I did. And there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism off that franchise. But it's interesting to see a creator go find pre existing films and say I'm going to work them into this universe I'm creating, kind of retrofit. Okay. Maybe it doesn't always work, but it's an interesting idea to build a I think that must be what happened with Dark Web. They must have found a movie that uses computers and thought, ah, let's slap Unfriended on it and put it out there. And so I just suspect lazy storytelling. I actually don't know if I've asked you this. Did you watch Dark Web? Oh, no. Okay, so great. That's the right approach to this. Um, Dark Web is the scary mutant twin of searching. Okay. So... In searching, you're you're going along with John Cho, doing what you and I could do if someone we love that we had either father child relationship or spouse relationship with to try to track their movements online. Unfriended Dark Web, in the most thoughtless way possible, says hackers are God. Oh, fun! And gives you the least credible version of what people who are good at the interwebs can do. Um, and do Betty Gabriel's in it. Yeah. And I was so excited for that. And what they delivered was just direct. So, you know, you just take a long walk off a short pier, Unfriended Dark Web. And I mean, really and truly, if there's another Unfriended movie that comes out, I don't think I'm going to watch it until multiple people I respect come and say, look, you need to come back. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I hate that movie. What about number two for you? (laughs) Number two for me was The Nun. Yeah. The nun, uh, yeah, the nun. I uh, I agree with everything that you said about the movie already. Um, you know, we've come to expect expect a certain level of um, goodness, in, you know, in these movies. And I'm not talking about from a uh, from a good and evil standpoint. Just a certain level of um, yeah, quality. goodness, and, yeah, quality. Thank you, quality in the in the movies. And this one is, I mean, just the dreck at the bottom of of the list. You know, I I wasn't able to be on the episode. That that you that you reviewed this one um i was sick or dolly had me or i forget what it was but i, I wasn't able to i wasn't able to be on there i i had these notes that i've written uh that i think that we've done before Great. but uh i've got these notes that i jotted down as the movie was going on and i'd like to uh i'd like to share them with you right now if at all possible please do okay um <clears throat> these are in no particular order i'm not real sure what they are uh just a handful of notes that i had uh, i hate when horror movie characters are made to look 
look like idiots. Pick up the freaking amulet. Mm. Uh, this movie has no idea what it is. Is it straight horror? Is it comedy horror? Is it an Indiana Jones movie? Is it a superhero movie? Uh, when she takes her vows, I swear it felt like a Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> um, audibly laughed out loud when Padre fell into the casket. Felt Burton-esque. Mm. Uh, what a weird script. It did no one any favors. Uh, my favorite one, and I'll clean it up. Uh, just pull the dang shawl off, Padre. Because he stands there for like 15 minutes trying to like reach it in like he's Bela Lugosi in a vampire movie, trying to wait to pull, pull that shawl off. And I, I like literally, I think because I, I think I was the only person in the theater. I think I just screamed it at the screen. <laughs> um, <clears throat> was I the only one assuming when Padre threw the oil lamp, excuse me, the lamp oil down, he was going to be he was going to burst into flames a la hereditary. <laughs> Um, the whole thing, the, uh, the whole little boy thing felt like something out of Beetlejuice. Hmm. Um, and then Tysa Farmiga sounded like she was English, Irish, and American at certain times <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, that's true. I'd forgotten about that. So those were my, those were my notes. You didn't have, you didn't have any notes about the Christmas ornament of doom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I think because I got so upset towards, uh, towards the end of it, that I just stopped trying to take notes. So I was like, this is, this is terrible. And the only thing I can think is, dear God, please don't let Jeff think this was a good movie. Because, man, <laughs> I just don't know how we can, I don't know how we can recover from that. No, thankfully, thankfully we're in lockstep on that. It's yeah. the only Conjuring movie, even even having watched Annabelle. It's the only Conjuring movie I wish I could have fast forwarded through, and that's just yeah. that shouldn't be. And here's the deal, man. Like I would, I went back and watched rewatched Annabelle not too long ago, probably like a couple months ago. Um, and and while it is at the bottom of the barrel as well, as well, I would take that movie a hundred times a day over watching the Nun again. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It made me like it better. Yeah. After I saw the nun. I thought, oh, this is how bad it can be. Yeah. All right. For sure. All right, man. Uh, drum roll, please. Your number one worst movie of 2018. Worst horror movie of 2018. Well, I think this is going to be a little <coughs> anticlimactic, but it's insane. Okay. For all the reasons you detailed. The one thing I'm going to add to this is this has Steven Soderbergh's name on it, man. Yeah. Um, the the iPhone thing didn't make it feel more realistic. It felt it, it make it it made it feel more unrealistic. I, I felt more removed from the events. It felt more artificial. Yeah. Um, your point in the broader review, I know you've you know thankfully forgotten this movie, but your point that the that the bad guy in this movie it, it's sort of like unfriended dark web. He'd have to have godlike powers to pull off the things he did to the protagonist. And like Soderbergh should know how to tell a tell a story that doesn't have gaping plot holes in it. Right. I don't know what this movie has to commend itself to anyone. And uh, okay, it's about gaslighting. Man, Alfred Hitchcock did gaslighting long before we ever thought of it as a cultural phenomenon, and he did it much better. You go watch six or seven of his movies and have a, a better time and a, and a more entertaining time and a more thoughtful time and a more scary time watching someone be manipulated. So just everything about this movie sucks. And if they just destroyed all copies, I think they'd be doing a service to the future of mankind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. I, you know, uh, I, I'm always in support of like people making their art, right? Sure. Like make, make your art, uh, make the movie, write the book, do the, do the thing. Uh, but in this case, don't ever do it again. Well, and, and you know, you, you, one, you do get to tell your story. I, I'm with you on that. Make your art, tell it, but we're not, you know, that doesn't mean that you are insulated from people being like, holy cow, what you made was terrible. Right. And I'm not trying to be mean spirited, but this was terrible. Yeah. But holy cow, this was terrible. Yeah. And, and he should, I mean, far from me to like 
criticize the greats, but you know, I, I've never made a great movie, but I've watched Soderbergh's movies, and the guy who made his films should be embarrassed to have his name attached to this one. Yeah. So anyway, that exhausts my list of what exhausted me in 2018. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number one worst movie of 2018, if you've been a follower of this podcast long enough, this should be a no-brainer, is The Strangers Pray at Night. Mm-hmm. Um, the Strangers itself was my favorite horror movie uh, probably until 2017. Uh, I, honest to goodness, have tried to rewatch The Strangers now after watching The Strangers Pray at Night, and I can't do it. Oh, yeah. See, that's yeah, <clears throat> that, that's the that's the worst case scenario. Uh, you know, I waited ten years for a sequel. And was very excited about the about the movie. Was very excited about the you know the opportunity to watch it. Didn't have a chance to watch it in theaters. Waited for it to come to Redbox. As soon as it got to Redbox, I rented it. I watched it, and it took me three times to get through that movie because I was just so freaking frustrated with it. And there's a lot of people that like The Strangers Pray at Night more than The Strangers. And to those people, I say uh, you need Jesus. And get your priorities straight because I just I don't see I don't see how you can do it. That nothing in my life disappointed me more in 2018 than the strangers pray at night. Man, I'm really sorry. I feel so much of that. I just know that I don't feel it to the degree you do. Yeah. You know, if they made Get Out Again and it was the equivalent, I think I would join you. I think we we probably both love that movie comparably. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all the ways you're awful. Let me count, right? Yeah. You remember this was a movie too that the trailer kind of like made you think they were going to pick up the mantle and carry it. Yeah. Because you had that shot in the culvert. Yeah. And then it turned out to be that was the only scary thing in the movie. Yep. And dude, at the point they had Baghead or whatever his name is chasing the guy around the pool with an axe. Yeah. I, I just realized they don't know what made the first movie special. That was just a pure accident, and they they don't even understand their own movie. I mean, I know that yeah. sounds arrogant, but they don't and it's just you know you, that that is the point where like in Dante's Inferno you abandon all hope yeah yeah and that's you know that's where I that's where I landed that man and I was just insanely uh, insanely upset about it and uh, yeah so you know hopefully um, <laughs> hopefully us has uh, you know isn't isn't the same doesn't have the same effect but uh, I, I don't know if anything will frustrate me in horror as much as the strangers pray at night did last year uh, yeah so that is my number one worst movie of 2018 man I'm sorry that is such a that is such a disappointing experience to walk through that list um, I think it's time we I think we talked about we need to start scaling up to, to some better stuff. Yeah, so man. let's walk towards the best and kind of wash our palette. Um, the, the next list I created, Derek, and you were kind enough to say, yeah, let's run through that, is borrowing your phrase, perfectly acceptable horror. Mm-hmm. And this is going to come into uh, our review of 2018 under the heading that would normally be occupied by honorable mentions. Okay, These are movies that people are going to remember from 2018 for one reason or another. Uh, the way I went about compiling the list is to think if if someone calls me and says, I don't watch a lot of horror movies, but I know you're really into them. Uh, I want to watch a Halloween movie with my girlfriend or we've talked about it often on this podcast. A young man's taking a young lady out uh, for a date and he wants to get some cuddle time in. What kind of movie will provoke him to have her snuggle up? Right. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to run through the list uh, from least best to best because uh, I don't want to say worst. Uh, these movies are not they're not stellar, but they're also not hot garbage like what we just talked about. So least best to best. OK. And Derek, just offer your commentary as you feel. I'll, I'll pause as I read through and you can say anything you, you've got to say. Okay. Um, the number 10 for me. So meaning this is the least best of the perfectly acceptable horror from 2018 was the aforementioned truth or dare. OK. Yeah, not gonna be not gonna be anybody's best of list, but we'll get a couple scares out for you. Uh, number nine, Yvonne Strahovski, I think I got her name right, starred mm-hmm. in He's Still Out There, which was a home invasion slasher movie. Okay. Perfectly acceptable. Um number eight, Insidious The Last Key. Um Another franchise that's not delivering its best work, but it'll do uh, in a way that the nun won't. Number seven is a movie we've talked about and considered reviewing. It's Veronica. Uh, This is available on Netflix. It's a Spanish language film, and it is a movie that makes use of the worn out trope about how uh, how uh, female uh, puberty is a a metaphor for demonic possession. So it's kind of walking over well-trod ground, but it's also one of these like this happened in in some sense in history. So I think people could enjoy that. Uh, Did you see that one, Derek? No, sir. I have not yet. Okay. Uh, Number six, Ghost Stories, which is an anthology movie, not one that I tend to enjoy, but I thought it pretty solid. Um, Martin Freeman's in it. The ending was terrible, but the journey's okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's probably the the best review of that movie. Number five would be Predator. Okay, I know it's an action movie too, but it's an action horror hybrid in my box in my book. Again, we're talking to people who don't watch horror movies. Fine, go watch the new Predator. Yeah, which if you've listened to our broader review of that movie, you realize I have shifted yet again in my conclusions on that movie to the right to the right way. So yeah, yeah I'm willing to hear that. I'm willing to hear that. Uh, number four was a movie I just watched last night to ring in New Year. Oh wow! It's on Netflix, and I I don't know if you will like it or not, Derek, because it has it has elements of the visitation in it. Okay, uh, it's a slow burn for sure, but I also think it's charming. It's the endless. Okay. Um, two two brothers go back to visit the UFO death cult they escaped from as children. That's oh, okay. Uh, if you do watch it, I will be very interested to know what you think about it. Okay. Number three, Summer of 84. That movie caught a lot of hype. I think basically because we didn't have a new Stranger Things to talk about. Mm-hmm. And this movie filled that you know need for a lot of people. To me... Summer of 84, it was just a constant reminder that uh, it wasn't Stranger Things. But the ending on that thing's a doozy. So I didn't care for most of that movie, but the ending raises its stock a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Number two is a classic jump scare feast. Um, or, or maybe I shouldn't say feast. I should say fest. Like it's, it's the kind of horror movie that is built on things jumping out of dark horns. Okay? okay. It's called Stillborn. It's about a mother who is trying to protect her child from a malevolent, malevolent supernatural entity. People who want to see a scary movie that is ultimately of no consequence, they're going to enjoy Stillborn. And number one, perfectly acceptable horror, our previously reviewed Bird Box. Yeah. Okay. I <clears throat> excuse me. I think that I would in this in this list. I would put Bird Box at one, Summer of '84 at two, and Predator at three. Okay. Um. But yeah. I mean, besides that, man, I honestly haven't seen a lot of the ones on this list. But now that you have told me that they're perfectly acceptable horror, I'll I'll go back and check them out. They're definitely worth putting on while you're doing something else. You know? Yeah. Uh, and the three that you said you would go one, two, three on are probably the three highest profile that are on the list. So. It would make sense for them to be, you know, the, the top three on an honorable, honorable mentions list. Um, other section I wanted to put in here real quick, and it's because I, I think it's unique to this year in horror, uh, at least uh, as distributed through, uh, through video. You, you can't talk about horror in 2018 without talking about horror series. 
And so I was going to run through the the five best horror series I saw this year. Now, these have to be series that were kind of self-contained within 2018. So The Walking Dead is not going to be on here. My beloved Exorcist is not going to be on here. Supernatural, uh, Stranger Things. This is just the best horror series that came out in 2018. And uh, again, working from the the least best to the best. Number five, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek, you know, with a space of some time after having watched that series and reviewed it, what would you what would you give as a summary thought about The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? Is it worth watching? I think so. Okay, for me, it's definitely not worth watching. I've I've really soured on that show. Yeah, and uh, I put it on this list so I would have five. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have left it off tire. That's that's fair. Listener, do with that what you want. Derek has uh, good taste. Uh, this just it wasn't for me. In hindsight, it wasn't. Yeah. Well, you, you know what, Jeff? I say that as someone who <clears throat> I don't think that it was targeted towards us. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't think that it was targeted towards uh, middle. Uh, I almost said middle age. That's not right. Um, to dudes in their mid thirties. I I just don't think that it was targeted towards us. I think it was targeted towards um, teenage girls and and girls in their twenties and and, and maybe, maybe just women in general, not saying that as a man, you can't enjoy the series. Uh, I just think that in the grand scheme of things, this wasn't something that they were like, Hey, white middle uh, (coughs) mid thirties guys is where we're going for with this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that could entirely (coughs) account for it. Uh, I, I, you know, to push back slightly, I feel like Supernatural um, is a show that I got into that, that wasn't aimed particularly at my demographic either, mm-hmm. but it's not aimed as precisely at what you just mentioned, you know, women, yeah. younger women, uh, as, as Sabrina clearly is. So you could very well be explaining what uh, what, what led to my disconnect with that series. Yeah, I, I just, I, I feel that way uh, even from the beginning. Like, you know, for me, <clears throat> Sabrina looked great, and but for me, it was always about nostalgia as well because I grew up watching the uh, TGIF series with Melissa own heart. And, uh, you know, that's where a lot of my disconnect came from as well. And I'm not saying that it was perfect. I'm not saying that it, I think it's, I think it's perfect the where, where you put it. I think it's in, at the bottom of the heap if you're going to do a top five list. But, um, I would also tell people to watch it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch their Winter Solstice episode yet, but, you know, also, you know that Netflix, I believe, just re-signed them up through, like, season four. So, mm-hmm. this ain't going away anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, and more power to, to its fans. It's just, it's not for me. Right. Uh, number four was Castle Rock. Okay. It it had some of the same stuff we were talking about from our worst of list for me. Uh, my expectations were really high for that one. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the journey on that one, but like Lost, it left me with way too much stuff untied up mm-hmm. and too many plot holes for me to come away saying that, that ultimately the journey was worthwhile. So if you're a huge Stephen King fan, I'm going to tell you to watch this. I think Skarsgård is really good, and I can't remember the other lead, but the one who plays his alternate in our dimension. Right. I thought he was pretty good, too. The Sissy SpaceX stuff was incredible. She, yeah. She was stellar. And we uh, uh, we caught you know, the idea that we're condescending. What was it? Not condescending. Pretentious. Yeah, pretentious. Uh, uh, for our, <laughs> praise, for our you, praise of her performance. I stand by, man. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that episode, I believe it's entitled The Queen, is the uh, standalone episode of that series and uh, you know if it doesn't get some kind of Emmy uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if it'll get any kind of like Emmy love 
but it, sh- it should definitely be considered any consideration. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah, the scene in the living room between her and Skarsgård was some of the best stuff I watched in isolation this entire year. Yeah. And maybe longer than that too. But again, ending just, just undid a lot of the good of what I enjoyed walking through the, 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 you know, the individual stories and whatnot. Yeah. Again, you know, it was kind of like bird box, right? Like it just felt like they needed an ending. And so they're just like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yep. It was an attempt at mystery that seemed grounded, not in good storytelling, but in just needing to, to end and roll credits. Right. Uh, number three is one that I'm not sure that you watched, Derek, uh, but it, it, it's one that I think we've talked about. It's called Creeped Out. It's a Netflix original. Yeah. I, you know, I've, uh, I just haven't had time. I want to, but I just haven't had the chance to. Yeah. So it, it was billed as Black Mirror for tweens. And I think that's right. And I think it does some some pretty good stuff in its uh, in its aims there. There's some unevenness to the individual episodes, but taken together, they stand up pretty, pretty well compared against the backdrop of a, of, of a strong year in, in horror. Um, I, I'm teaching this semester a group of 10th graders, and they did really well in getting their speeches done for me in rhetoric. And I told them, like, if we can get things done in timely fashion and you guys deliver quality speeches, I've got something I'll show you. And so um, these are these are good kids, but they're they're not immune to cynicism, and 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 they're all sort of overexposed to media. But I showed them the episode on internet trolls and uh, the way that cell phones control your life from creeped out, and they were really into it. It really yeah. resonated with them, and and they're not kids who would be like, "Oh, Mr. Wright wants us to like this, so we will." Right. Um, so I, I think not only as an adult, but you know, to its more targeted audience, the, this series uh, it did what they were hoping it would do. So it deserves praise. If somebody's looking for bite-sized horror to, to watch, or maybe you want to introduce someone to you, a younger person, your love for the genre, this is a pretty good business. Cool, man. <clears throat> if I'm if I'm not mistaken, wasn't this kind of build at build up as like this generation's are you afraid of the dark? Well, I think this one was more. <laughs> I think this was more so kind of Black Mirror talking about technology and themes in society right now. Mm-hmm. I think you and I need to write as generations. Are you afraid of dark? Dude, I'm all about it. So we need to get on that. Uh, number two is is a series that I'm going to insist on you watching. Uh, and you may hate me for it, but I really want to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay. It's uh, it's AMC's The Terror. Okay. Yeah, you've mentioned this before. Yeah. I just love that thing. I don't okay. know if it's because I have Anglophile, you know, threads in my heart or uh, exactly what caused me to resonate with it. But, I mean, I thought the acting was incredible. I thought the storyline was really uh, compelling. And I thought what they did with what was supposed to be the source of terror was applied uh, where you wanted more okay, really skillfully. So it left you wanting more, not disappointed that they showed their hand too fully. Okay. And then the best series of the uh, of the year, which we'll talk about further, and we have talked about at length already, is The Haunting of Hill House. Sure. Absolutely. Um, with that in mind, guys, we, we talked off air, Derek and I. As I mentioned, you can't talk about 2018 without factoring in horror series. And so what we're going to do for our best of list is talk about horror in 2018 and just do a a combination of, you know, if it's a TV show, if it's a limited series or if it's a movie, it gets in the top 10 list. And since we're going to do that, we didn't want to leave any space where we didn't where we left out talking about what the the 10 best movies of the year were. And so I'm going to run through that list kind of quick. Got a couple notes on a few of these. 
But um, again, this is just us trying to account for the 10 best movies that came out before we talk about horror in a, in a broader uh, at a broader scope. So number 10, Derek, I'm also curious to know if you ever watched this one. This is a Shudder original called Terrified. That's the English title. Uh, our Spanish-speaking listeners can can laugh at my attempt to pronounce pronounce the, the Spanish version. It's Atarados. Okay. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The, the, the poster that Shudder uses is... I don't think very uh, suggestive of what's actually in the film. It's a it's a guy who's like bald and obviously emaciated, and you know something's not healthy here, and he's split in half. Did did that hit your radar at all? No, sir. I I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well I've been watching it for like three days, trying to fit it in around other events around New Year's, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that movie. And it bumped. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it bumped one of the. One of the movies we've talked about in perfectly acceptable horror from my top ten movies list. Okay. Here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna tell you and our listeners about this movie if they hadn't seen it. This is the conjuring movie we wanted to get this year. Oh wow. Okay. It's not as good as the best of the conjuring, but it's definitely better than than the none. Okay. It is a Spanish language film, so you have to watch subtitles. But I, you know, I watched the original Rec, uh, which is short for record with subtitles, and it you know, good movies the, the subtitles don't take away from the experience. Mm-hmm. And I really think that whole true for this. So, it, you know, you're talking about like, oh, I'll check some of these out. This is the one I'd start with. Okay. And I hope I'm not overhyping hyping it. Again, it's not better than the best of The Conjuring, but it's definitely better than none. And it does some of the same stuff that we come to expect from. Okay, cool. Uh, number nine was Upgrade. And if you're a Bloomhouse watcher, it, you know, it may rattle you to hear this on the 10 best list, but Bloomhouse released as a horror movie. And I thought it was perfectly, uh, you know, perfectly aimed and uh, it, it provided sort of a, a scare. So it's on my list. Have you seen it, Derek? I have, sir. What did you think about it? Uh, I thought it was a really good Venom movie. Yeah. So that number nine upgrade, number eight, Venom. <laughs> there you go. Venom did the same thing, just a little bit better. And I, and I mean that particularly, like Venom had scarier stuff in it. Yeah. But it had all the other stuff that upgrade had in it as well uh number seven i went with the meg okay number six the ritual okay uh number five john chose searching Mm -hmm. number four halloween okay number three may cause some controversy but it is technically a 2018 release it's mike flanagan's before i wake okay number two is hereditary Mm -hmm. and number one is a quiet place okay any modifications you would make to that brother derek um yeah but i I think it will come up in my best of uh, 2018. Well, then let's get into that because I want to talk about what the people are actually here for with the title of the episode. What's the best of horror in 2018? And uh, I think we're going to work 10 to 1 on this one again, Derek. Yeah, sounds good, man. Go ahead. Throw it at me. Uh, number 10, Venom. Okay. Uh, I think that's a surprising choice. We reviewed this earlier. I know most people are going to think of this as a superhero movie, but it had legitimate scare scenes in it. Uh, and again, if you consider Upgrade a horror movie, which I'm happy to do, Venom just did Upgrade better. Yeah. Um, I think specifically the things that were scary in this movie uh, were the, the, the there was a girl who was carrying a symbiote for a while and her zombie girl performance was pretty good. There's another time when you're in a creepy lab where people have been experimented on and a lady comes running and hits the glass. Pretty scary. Pretty yeah. scary. And so I'm happy to say the, the Venom movie comes in at number 10 of uh, the best of horror in 2018. What's your number 10, Mr. Zuashkiani? Uh, my number 10 is Upgrade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're tracking sort of around the same uh, same waters, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, for me, number nine is The Meg. Okay. And uh, that was not a movie I spent a lot of time being scared by. It got me with a couple jump scares. Um, but it's uh, it's a monster horror movie, and it's among the best of 2018. What's your number nine? Uh, my number nine would be Venom. Okay. okay. Well, I mean, say something about Venom that I didn't cover, because I know you, lo- you love that movie, too. Uh, Tom Hardy, man. It's just a tour de force performance by Tom Hardy. Um, I... Honestly, if if I'm being transparent, I don't think I would have enjoyed that movie as much had anyone else been playing Eddie Brock. Hmm. I, I just thought that Tom Hardy did a fantastic job. Now, there's going to be a couple of people who are listening to this who are going to uh, text me and criticize me for saying that. And to those people, I can say you as well can take a poop with pants on. Oh, my. I'm going to say thanks for listening. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. Uh, I'm just kidding, man. Uh, you know, I'm just Mr. Hope, Peacemaker over here. And we hope you stick around for uh, 2000. 19. It's going to be a great year. But um, yeah, I just, you know, I really, really enjoyed this movie based on Tom Hardy. And uh, yeah, so if you're a Tom Hardy lover, I think you'll enjoy this movie, even if you know nothing about the Venom comic book or, uh, you know, or, or, or that comic book character. Yes. And, and look, it's a shame that this movie has been so derided broadly. I, I don't know what people were expecting. This is Venom in movie form. Yeah. And I'm saying that as an old school comic book fan who's been reading that character a long time. Hardy's, Hardy's like frantic, almost <laughs> brain damaged. Uh, you know, Eddie Brock, who's trying to fight off this alien intelligence or at least learn how to manage it. Really well done. So, yeah, we'll go with uh, all, all the praise for Venom. Uh, do you want to go number? Do you want to go ahead on number eight? It's on. It's, on, it's yours, man. Okay. I went with Netflix's The Ritual. Okay. Uh, do I remember that you didn't care for that movie? I did not. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. It's just my list versus yours on that. But I felt like I'm ready for more Scandinavian horror in my life, and The Ritual convinced me of that. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say Netflix has done some good stuff for us this year, beginning with The Ritual. Uh, what's your eight? Um, my number eight would be Overlord. Yeah, Dad Gummit. Yeah, a movie that uh, you unfortunately were not able to see, but a movie that I I had a great time watching in theaters. And uh, you know, I think that when I when I get the chance, if uh, if this movie comes out to rent while I'm in Tennessee, I think that you and I should sit down and watch it. I think I think you'll enjoy it. It's it's uh, not going to reinvent the wheel, or you know, or even. You know, I think when people think of horror in 2018, I don't even think Overlord will be something that they think of. But I had a darn good time watching it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'll see your movie that I didn't see and give you one for your uh, for yourself here on number seven, which would be AMC's The Terror. Okay. Uh, again, strongly commend, uh, you, you know, you watching it or if you haven't, uh, if you listener, you haven't seen it. This one is well worth tracking down, in my opinion. You got to kind of ride with it for a while. It's got that uh, that British pacing and. Uh, you know, it takes a little while to to develop, but man, it is so very good. And Jared Harris uh, is one of the leads of this thing. And man, I don't know that I've ever seen him seen him better. Uh, he's a well respected, rightly so, uh, well respected actor. But man, he just really commands that role. Uh, not to give too much away, but he's he's one of the captains, and he's got a, a drinking problem. But he's also the only one who kind of sees circumstances for what they are. And uh, man, he's just great in that. So for my list of horror in 2018, the terror comes in at number seven. Okay. My number seven is Mandy with Nicholas mm-hmm. Cage. Yeah. That's another one I didn't see. Yeah. Uh, I just recently caught it. Mike D, uh, Mike D insisted that I go on shutter and watch it. And I did. And man, you, you talk about an eighties, 
uh, tribute to horror. Uh, I feel like that's what this is. And, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, myself included, like to rip Nick Cage and uh, and the choices that he has made in his career and the roles, the role, role choices that he has made in his career. But, uh, man, he, I don't know if he's ever been better. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you, as somebody who's not seen it, but knows it's one of the movies that I, I should have gotten to and will try to get to very soon. Is this going to overload my Gora version? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 going to be a tough one for you to watch. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll bump it down the list a little bit. I'll, I'll at least make a try. Yeah. All right. I think you, I think you should. I think any you know any self respecting horror fan should watch this movie. Yeah, well that's fair. Uh, I, I will I will try to be self respecting in that way and get to that one. I, I I should have before now. All right, number six. I'm going to go with John Cho's Searching. Okay. Um, not the scariest movie you're going to see this year, but particularly as a parent, it has a you know a, a pointed kind of horror to it and. I think we've all been kind of looking for John Cho to get his thing and see what he can do with it. And I really think he fulfilled all of our expectations for him. Uh, it was smartly done. It did not, it didn't make, it didn't overpromise what you can do online, but it did sort of highlight just how much is available about us in our brave new technological world and chose stellar. I know, you know, Derek, the horror prognosticator saw the ending coming from light years away. Uh, I didn't see it quite as early, but nonetheless felt it was a little telegraphed. Even so, I think this is top six for what uh, happened with the horror genre in 2018. Yeah, I agree with that. And what's your number six, Mr. Zoo? Uh, my number six, uh, actually, this this is going to be a, a little bit of a controversial pick, but my number six is Hereditary. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I feel like that this is, uh, you know, this has been the one that's been uh, competing with A Quiet Place in their, you know, in most top horror movies of 2018. I just was not that impressed with this movie. And uh, I think that's something that you and I have talked about uh, before. I think we talked about it in private. And I think we've talked about it on the show. Uh, it's it's a movie that I I don't think I'll ever revisit. Like I just I I was very excited about this movie. Thought it was going to be really great, uh, and it just it did not. I walked out of the movie theater going, "Huh, that was something." And that was the end of it. That's a pretty good summary. Uh, if there's ever a fan poster released, that would be a pretty good blurb for the for the fan poster. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there's some really crazy uh, moments in that movie. And honestly, I probably have ranked it too low uh, if we're going by horror, you know. But uh, we're also going by personal opinion and enjoyment preference. And I enjoyed the other five movies on this list uh, a lot more. Or the other five uh, series and movies on this list than I did Hereditary. So number six is Hereditary. For me. Okay, well, Hereditary is on my list as well. It's higher, but I am very much with you in in a lot of what you said there. So, you know, I have this other podcast podcast called Pop Culture Cormdale that is a faith based podcast where we look at movies and series and, and music some um, uh, across all genres. So, we did our own best of 2018 episode recently, and I didn't know what to do with Hereditary. I think people, when they think about movies in 2018, Hereditary is going to be on a very short list of movies they think of as defining of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a powerful experience watching Hereditary. Like, I felt like I was, I, I felt, I guess, for lack of a better term, vulnerable. Like, I felt like something crazy could come from any angle the whole time I was watching that movie. But like you, by the time I came to the end of it, I thought, well, okay. And I, I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again. 
So I'm going, it's on my list basically because I think it's significant. Uh, and I think most people will see it as uh, one of the better ones in 2018. And I kind of need to own that. And it also provoked more conversation about horror as a genre. So I'm like you, I don't know that I'll go back and watch this one again, but it, it deserves to be talked about. Uh, and that's all I know really to do with it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, hereditary and, and we'll just note it when it comes up on my list. Uh, five for me, Derek, was the new Halloween. Okay. That movie, I think, was highly anticipated by us, mm-hmm. and I think it pretty much delivered. Um, you know, there's better stuff this year, but that's by far the best Halloween sequel in my book, and I was thankful to to see the movie. So, yeah, number five, top five, 2018, Halloween. Okay. What's yours? Uh, I also picked Halloween at my number five spot. Okay, so how did you slot it in between one and number 10 and number five? Um, I... I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I I think that I enjoyed it a lot more than a lot of the reviewers and things that I've seen. You know, it to me it's it's been ranked very low in a lot of uh, best of list this year. But also, I felt like that the ones that I have above it, I think I enjoyed them just a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I think I've seen the same thing you've said about like people sort of sliding it a bit in their 2018s. And I think that is a product of something that's otherwise good. That movie made a a lot of headlines connecting what happens in the film to the Me Too moment. Mm -hmm. But I think also it has kind of carried away the narrative on that movie so that you you think of it in terms of its political moment when like this was a really good slasher movie. Yeah. Yeah, there was some goofy stuff in it. We talked about that in our broader review, but this is really good. It's definitely the best slasher movie of the year. It's a fitting inheritor of the Halloween, you know, mantle. And I, I, while I'm happy for the the messages it said or it presented that were so pro woman, I'm I'm very happy for that. I do think it's sort of suffering in hindsight because that became so much what that movie was talked about in the, in the light. Of. Yeah. Uh, number four. Going back to something we said earlier, number four is Before I Wake from everybody's favorite director, Mike Flanagan. And yeah. That movie came out in 2016. I saw it for the first time in 2016, but in the U.S., it is technically a 2018 release, and meaning it has to be considered in this year. And guys, almost any year that movie comes out, it's going to be somewhere around the top ten. And this year, it was the fourth best movie I saw, the best for the fourth best horror uh, thing, <laughs> for lack of a better term, that I saw. <laughs> this year. Yeah. Uh, I too put Before I Wake in my number four spot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're agreed on this thing. Flanagan's always good. Yeah. The acting's really good. Uh, it's a it's a it's a haunted fairy tale, mm-hmm. and it works. So yeah. if you hadn't seen Before I Wake, thankfully it's available on Netflix. There were years where we couldn't see that in our country without importing it from Canada and having special DVD and Blu-ray players. But now you can stream it on Netflix, and you should if you have not seen it. Yeah, hundred percent. Number three for me is Hereditary. We've kind of talked about that already, but I, I had it at number three because. Elevated Horror and Tony Collette, and there were a couple legitimate scares in it, and I think it's going to be significant when you look back at 2018 from a historical perspective. Okay. Uh, my number three uh, was Searching. Okay. Well, hey, I'm a fan of that movie, and I don't fault you. So how do you think through putting it in the top three? Uh, for me, it was just it was a movie that I, I was anticipating, but I enjoyed that movie tremendously, and I, I enjoyed it more than I expected to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, it's it's anchored by a wonderful performance by John Cho, which you've already talked about. Uh, and I just – it's a movie that not only like – you know, with Hereditary, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. With, uh, you know, a couple – with Halloween, like I don't think I'll 
I'll buy Halloween. But when I have the opportunity to buy Surging, and, and it may be out right now, and honestly, if it is, I'll I'll pick it up. But when I have the opportunity to buy Surging, I will buy Surging. And I will tell my friends, hey, not only is this a good horror movie, but this is just a good movie in general. Mm-hmm. And it also is so applicable to the times that we live in now that I think it would be good for everyone. With, you know, I think you, you said something similar to this. Anyone with children should watch this movie. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I don't have kids not uh, looking to, to make that a reality in my life anytime soon. But still, like, you know, we all have people that we're close to. We all have people that we care about and would die for. And, you know, when I see movies like this one, you know, those are the people that I always think about. And uh, it just, you know, tugs your heartstrings. So not only was it a good horror movie, but just a, a, one of the best movies I saw all year. Man, eloquently articulated there, Mr. Zoo. I just checked. I did not realize it was out as well. Uh, it is out. It came out around uh, Thanksgiving. And like you, I'm going to pick it up. I, one, out of everything we've talked about on this list, this is the movie I'm most excited to watch with my wife. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to love it. And she hadn't seen it. Number two, I'm going to buy this thing, not only because I think I'll rewatch it, but because I want to send a message with my dollar. I went to see this thing in the theater and I'm, I'm going to pick up the Blu-ray. And I'm doing that because John Cho and the director whose name I'm, I'm just so happy to attend because my southern tongue won't do it but um, the, the director both need more work they need to be given you know the kind of confidence that says you can you can carry a movie and you can craft a movie and turn loose so yeah I'm with you hey I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to flip the order where we're going in because I think everybody watching or listening to this podcast knows what our top two will be they just don't know the order sure I know my own order and I'm super curious about yours and so would you go first uh, telling us what's your number two slot is for the best horror of 2018? Yeah, uh, number two would be A Quiet Place. Okay, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Best horror movie of the year, right? Yeah, I I think so. Uh, You know, again, I remember when we initially reviewed this movie and I put it on, I think I put it on like my social media and I said, hey, I'm really excited about this episode. I think it's going to be the best movie, the best horror movie of 2018. And I remember a couple of people fought back with me on that Mm. and said, uh, it's, it's, it's horribly written. It's, it's poorly acted. Uh, There's so many plot holes and inconsistencies and things like that. And so I went back and watched it again and tried to pick up on what they were talking about and maybe I'm just naive or maybe I'm just a, a, I know I'm a huge John Krasinski homer but uh, you know maybe I'm just too stubborn to believe what they're saying is accurate but I did not see it uh, I think this movie is is phenomenally done. I think that John Krasinski does an amazing job, not only as a director, but as a co-writer and an actor in this. Uh, obviously, this this movie is heavily anchored by Emily Blunt and her performance. Uh, you know, that, that toenail scene is one of the, I think it's probably the scariest thing outside of the number one uh, media in horror this year. Uh, you know, I think there was, a, there, was a, there was a scene in that that scared me a little bit more than the nail did in A Quiet Place. But, uh, I mean, they're neck and neck. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I don't understand how people couldn't put this in their top three. Maybe not number one, you know, especially if you're going to do like we did and just do the best of horror. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I just don't see how you can't put this at the top of the list. Yeah, well said. I'm, I'm glad you did go first on that. And thank you for doing that for me. Um, it seemed to be the leader from the day you saw it. And, and really, 
movie-wise, I don't think there's anything that compares to it this year. I, for me to find a movie that is comparable to A Quiet Place, I have to go find, I have to go get Get Out from 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we also got It Chapter 1 in 2017. I love that movie, too. But I think it's basically Get Out in A Quiet Place. And I'm going to go in that order. I'm going to say Get Out's better than A Quiet Place. But I'm also happy to hear people who say, you know, I think A Quiet Place was even better. I think A Quiet Place is much more immediate immediately accessible to people who aren't fans of horror for whatever that's worth. And uh, I'm just, I'm just over the moon about that movie. I've, I've watched it, I guess, four or five times. My wife fell in love with that movie, and I'm handing it out all the time to people who still haven't seen it. I'm like, hey, take my Blu-ray, go watch it. And without exception, they've come back and said, man, that was incredibly good. Yeah. Well, Derek, uh, I guess that just, it, it, it means that we've come to the point where we have to acknowledge the king, right? Yeah, man. I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of love on this podcast for Jordan Peele. There's a lot of love on this podcast for um, John Carpenter. But I think that the number one person in both of our hearts is Mike Flanagan. And nothing was better in the horror genre this year than The Haunting of Hill House. Cosign, glad to do it. You're, you're entirely correct. Um, again, I, I feel like the year that presented itself to us made us have to have a compilation list of saying series, TV show, uh, movie. Right. But I also want to point out that Flanagan said he was going to create this miniseries as if, as if it were one movie. And so, <clears throat> yeah, I know a lot of people don't get the chance to, to tell a 10-hour story. But I also know a lot of people don't have the chops to tell a compelling 10-hour story. Yeah. And Flanagan did, man. This thing was as anticipated, at least among, you know, the the circle around this podcast, I think, as anything uh, that has come out in 23 months or so. And, uh, man, it delivered in spades. Uh, have you watched it through multiple times? I haven't. <clears throat> I just, and man, I haven't had the chance. I, I honestly haven't even picked it back up since since the first viewing of it. But I look forward to having that chance in the in you know in this off season. Well, I've done it. I've been through it twice now, and I did that because I'm a married man, and I love to share things I love with my wife, and it, you know nothing delights me like her loving the same thing I do. Um, and so we watched it together the second time, and man, it held up. I really thought it'd be diminished because I knew. The beats and and I knew the way that Flanagan would take what you you know he would introduce some theme and you feel like oh I know where this is going I've seen the junkie fall off the wagon a hundred times mm-hmm. and then just completely flip it on your head mm-hmm. and if anything else I feel like coming back through you know we talked about how that movie that series made you fall in love with those characters I felt like it was even weightier like I really felt like I was coming back to visit with family friends when uh, I stepped back into the world of haunting a field house and so I think it holds it holds up definitely at least on the second watch. It's it's one of those deals really where I need to try to find someone to watch it with me again who hasn't seen it yet to yeah. give me an excuse to go through it a third time. So yeah. uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, yeah, I look forward to watching it again. Um, I'm going to try to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it and uh, try to get their opinions and you know and viewpoints on it as well. But uh, even if I can't find anyone that hasn't watched it already, I I look forward to reviewing it and going back through and watching it again. Uh, you know, I I, I want to savor it more than I did the first time around because the first time, you know, you and I were kind of on a deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this comes out on Friday. We're going to try to record this thing on Wednesday. That gives us you know a finite amount of time to, to get all 10 episodes in and I would watch them and would enjoy them. But I, I, I'd like to go back and just take my time with it, really savor the moment. Uh, and I look forward to doing that. Yeah. I mean, five and six are going to be 
always, the tent poles. Yeah. And six in particular, man, if, if you only go back and watch it as just, you know, enjoying technical filmmaking, mm-hmm. I have no doubts. And I've, I'm a layman on this, but I have no doubts that there's going to be some professor out there in a film school saying, let's queue up episode six of Haunting of Hill House to talk about structuring shots and creating a narrative with linear flow from, you know, what the camera's doing. Mm-hmm. That's not usually how I appreciate the movies we watch, but it, it's just impossible not to. Right. Uh, so we love you, Haunting of Hill House, and, and we love you, Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan putting two uh, two films on the not only the top ten, but the top five this year. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I wouldn't think anything less of it, you know, or I wouldn't expect anything less from him than that. Yeah. Hey, um, with that being the end of our top 10 for 2018, we didn't talk about this in advance, but could I could I throw the top six from 2017 at you real quick and you tell me which year was better? Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So um, number six, and actually you may disagree on this, but uh, number six, I had listed Split. Okay. Number five, Happy Death Day. Okay. Number four, Gerald's Game. Ooh. I see you there, Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Number three, Annabelle Creation. Okay. Number two, It. Okay. Number one, The Daddy. Get out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard. That's that's a murderer's row, man. Like, you know, it's 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 really no wonder that when we started this podcast, everything got better <laughs> in the horror genre. And uh, I, I, you know, I'd have to say if you're if you're going to ask me between the six, you know, the the first six that we that we did here for 2018, or the six that you just said, even with Split in there, I'd have to go 2017. Gerald's Game, It, uh, Annabelle, Get Out. I mean, that's that's really a difficult group of, of movies to the best. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I, I think I'm probably going to lean towards 2018, but it's because The Haunting of Hill House throws everything out in the comparison. So like number one to number one, Get Out versus The Haunting of Hill House. I'm not going to say that The Haunting of Hill House is better than Get Out, but there's more there there, right? We get 10 hours with that thing. Yeah. And then, you know, Quiet Place is the best comparison. So if you go one to one, two to two, It versus... A Quiet Place. Three, Annabelle Creation versus Hereditary. Four, ironically, Flanagan versus Flanagan. Gerald's Game versus Before I Wake. Five, Halloween versus Happy Death Day. Slasher versus Slasher. Uh, Six, Split versus Searching. Man, for me, that is just... It's really too hard to call. I really don't know. I thought that I would come into this being like, well, 2018 didn't live up to 17, but in the top six, I just think it's what flavor you're, you have an appetite for in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm quite happy to be a, a horror movie fan in, uh, in this here year. Um, last thing, Derek, is a little bonus I asked you if I could throw out to our listeners, and you were gracious enough to agree. Uh, I came up with a with a, a top five best scares of 2018. Okay. And I just want to hear you react to them, okay? Yeah. So, guys, this could be an extended sequence. This could be a jump scare. Uh, we don't hate jump scares. We just hate bad jump scares. This could be uh, a, a creature. So, this is just the, the, the top five moments that I got scared in in, uh, in 2018, Okay. So number one, excuse me, let's go let's go five to one. So the fifth best scare of 2018 for me was Mackie's goodbye speech from summer of 84. Okay. Uh, that movie, again, I spent the whole time being like, man, I just wish this was Stranger Things. Yeah. But when he started talking about, I'm not going to kill you now because it'd be too easy. I hate you too much. I want you looking over the shoulder the rest of your life. And uh, I can't remember that actor's name, but man, his rage was palpable and just below the surface. And, and I really felt like he could snap any minute and just go ahead and kill this kid, even though he's telling him he's not going to. Yeah. So, yeah. Number five, Summer of 84, Mackie's goodbye speech. 
Any uh, any problems with that, Derek? No, sir. All right, you may have one with this one. Number four for me was Wall Crawling Mom from Hereditary. Okay. When the kid wakes up, stumbles out of his bedroom to a darkened house, and Mom is skittering around the, the roof like demonic Spider-Man. Yeah. Ends up chasing him through the hallway. He manages to scurry up into the attic, and then she is banging on the door after he closes it, you know, with her head attached to the ceiling. Uh, <clears throat> Hereditary didn't scare me a whole lot, but I thought that was, that was a pretty scary sequence. You going to tell me I'm wrong? No, I don't think so. Uh, I think if you're going to put anything from Hereditary on this list with, uh, I mean, there's there's two things I would say. Uh, the first one would be when Homegirl gets her head knocked off. Yeah, that was brutal. Uh, and then the next one would be Wall Crawling Mom. So I think you're I think you're right on the money. The uh, the the girl getting her head knocked off just felt like a gut punch. You know, I didn't I didn't I, by the time I knew what happened, it was too late to be scared. You're just dealing with the repercussions. You know, kind of like the the main character there. But uh, I got a few minutes there with Wall Crawling Mom. All right, did you see Annihilate? with uh, Natalie Portman. Dude, I tried to watch Annihilation four times and fell asleep every time. Okay. It is on so many best of lists this year, and uh, it just did not connect with me either. I finished it, but I don't go for like super high concept metaphor movies very often. Mm -hmm. And this one was just, it was too much of that. But did you make it through the Scream Bear? Did you watch it long enough to see the Scream Bear show up? Yeah, I did. Dude, the Scream Bear was terrifying. Yeah. And uh, I just want to tip my cap to a movie that I otherwise did not care for. But, you know, it's a, it's an overused phrase. But the Scream Bear is the stuff nightmares are made of. Yeah. And it's one of the more innovative monsters I've seen in a movie. So, number three for me, the Scream Bear from Annihilation. Okay. Number two, and this might be where you and I... Uh, diverge, but for number two, I have listed nail the backseat driver in the haunting of Hill House. Okay, uh, I'm I'm remembering that you, I think, found that pretty powerful as well. Am I correct? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just said, um, I think I just said it when I was talking about a quiet place, like that 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 scene in Hill House and the nail sequence in a quiet place. I mean, you could put one A and one B. Well, that's exactly what I've done. So uh, the nail sequence from Quiet Place is number one for me. You know, uh, nail in the haunting of Hill House. I'm I'm realizing there's a play on words here. Yeah. Uh, Nail coming out of the backseat in the haunting of Hill House. um, It was was more powerful in the milliseconds it took for that scene to play out. Right. Mm -hmm. And dude, it totally totally holds up. You know, I was watching my wife. We were in our darkened bedroom and I was just, you know, just waiting for it to happen. And and I just wanted to watch my wife's face without giving it away that I was watching her, right? To like, hey, what are you doing? And uh, dude, I still jumped. It still got me. Yeah. But uh, we got the, the sequence with the exposed nail in a quiet place. I don't really have much to compare that to. I know people have set up dangers that pay off later in horror movies before this one, but dude, the palpable dread I felt from the moment she raised that nail mm-hmm. and then just how in danger she was when she stepped on it. I mean, like I, I felt like I could feel that nail going in my foot. Yeah. Uh, so in my mind, so powerful. So uh, take it away from there, man. I know you've got thoughts as well. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel the same way uh, that you do, you know, that there's, so much dread built up into that and you you know what the payoff is going to be from that nail that it's 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 definitely difficult to uh to watch and and you know of course when it happens it's just it's cringeworthy uh 
Again, you know, I would say Nell in the back seat might get it for me a little bit more just because it came out of nowhere and sure. scared the bejesus out of me. Um, but uh, again, like I said, man, 1A and 1B, you, you really, those are really going to be the, the top two of the year. Yeah, I think the, the quiet place, Nell. Um, really pulls the viewer into the experience of the of the the protagonist, mm-hmm. uh, but in praise of Nail the backseat driver, it redirects the two characters, uh, the the two other sisters in that in that movie. They go from could they be reconciled to com- in a completely different place, and not only is it terrifying, but it's also Nail caring for her sisters from beyond the grave really well. Yeah, uh, continuing to be the glue of that family, and so it it, it really is like. Pick your favorite, you know. They're both wonderful. Well, Derek, we have been on a very long journey here. Uh, is there anything else to say from 2018? Uh, no, man. I think this was a great uh, – I think 2018 was a great year for horror. Uh, you know, I think that we, we were able to see much more uh, much more good than bad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, what was bad was really bad, but what was good was even better. And uh, so I'm just, you know, just thankful that you're with me on this journey and that we have cultivated such a great uh, fan base and, and not just fans anymore, you know, uh, internet friends. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our, our Facebook group has grown and, uh, you know, it really is some of the conversations on that is some of my favorite things uh, on the internet, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I look forward to seeing where 2019 takes us. And, uh, you know, by the looks of it, man, we've got some great stuff coming down the pike uh, and I can't wait to to be able to watch it. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. Well said, eloquently spoken. I just co-sign. We, we should have finished this with the very best of 2018 is our listeners and those of you who've chosen to engage with us through email, Twitter, Reddit. Uh, but most definitely the group that's gathered up in the We Saw Some of the Scary Facebook group. We're, we're thankful for you guys and you've been a wonderful part of 2018 for us. So thanks for making this even better. Yeah, absolutely. And. Uh, you know, we've got some great things on the horizon for 2019 that we'll be able to talk about more uh, in the not so distant future. We have this 10 week series that we're going to be running through on Jordan Peele's discography to uh, us and looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we're going to we're going to play around with some stuff this year and, and throw some, you know, some bonus episodes at you, maybe do some some commentary on some movies and things like that. And really try to to uh, to make this podcast even more interactive and fan friendly uh, than it is right now so on behalf of jeff and myself i just want to say thank you guys so much for being with us you know jeff and i started this podcast a little over two years ago not knowing who would listen uh you know uh, if i'm being completely honest with you i thought it would just be our closest friends who liked horror movies would be the only people that have listened you know that would listen to this and uh our download numbers have grown uh uh, exponentially this year and you know that again the the facebook group has really turned into uh, a wonderful place to communicate with like-minded people uh, even if you know even if we're uh, joking around and, and busting humps and things like that man it's always just a fun atmosphere and, and you can always tell that, that everyone's everyone's happy to talk to everyone else and there's no arguments there's no trolls there's no um, you know i mean you know we occasionally are t- called pretentious or whatever but that's that's here nor there uh, and uh, yeah, I, like I said, man, I'm just I'm very excited to see what 2019 brings uh, for the Saw Not the Scary Crew. And uh, I thank you for being a part of the journey and strap in because we're just getting started. Here, here. Well, Derek, I will turn it over to you uh, to take us out of 2018. I know this is going to drop just at the very beginning of 2019, but uh, see us out, brother. It has been good to be with you this year. 
All right. Yeah, man. Uh, can't wait to actually be able to hug your neck and see your face and we'll make that happen pretty soon. But yeah, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for keeping me sane while Miss Dolly has been, uh, trying to suck everything out of me. Well, well, that comes out wrong. Anyway. Um, yeah, man, I've just really enjoyed the ride and looking forward to seeing where this thing takes us next year. So, uh, for Jeff Wright, this is Derek Zoo reminding you to stay away from clowns and sewers, uh, blind people with turkey basters, white people with teacups. Uh, here's your deluxe edition, man. Here's your deluxe episode. We hope that you've enjoyed it. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the best and worst of 2018. Uh, we hope nothing but the best for you guys in 2019. And we'll see you guys back here next week. Bye-bye, man. <laughs>